Hey guys, <laughs> this is Craig Hostetler. I'd like to welcome you to the Black Sheep Experience. Uh, thank you for hanging out with me on the podcast today. This is episode number 25. And uh, yeah, I have a guest with me today, uh, Reverend Dr. Katie Valentine, who I think you're really going to love. It is a, uh, it's a great conversation. But before we jump into that, let me take just a moment. Uh, if you haven't connected with the podcast on your social media stuff, right? I'm talking about Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, Go and do that if you would. It really means a lot to me. In fact, it's it's the best way for me to know and uh, and to be encouraged that you're out there. And so I'd really appreciate that. You know, again, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, connect with the podcast if you would on those platforms. One or two or all three of them, and uh, and let me know. That you're there, and for those of you additionally, you um, you're sharing the podcast on your stuff. Uh, you're letting people know. You're letting your Facebook friends know, or or you're posting on Twitter or on Instagram uh, about the podcast, about the Black Sheep Experience. Let me just say, man, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's really a big deal. Uh, means a lot to me. It's an incredible help. And so thank you for uh, really being a part of the podcast in that way. Okay, so um, today I have with me Reverend Dr. Katie Valentine, who is a metaphysical Christian pastor. Um, and it's a great conversation. And at the end of the podcast, I'll give you all the ways that you can connect uh, with Katie Valentine. But at the onset, let me say, I think one of the best ways is just katievalentine.com, which is her website, obviously. And for those of you that listen to the podcast, she has uh, been nice enough to create a gift. um, And that's at katievalentine.com forward slash gift. And uh, I'll let her explain um, exactly what that is um, during the conversation uh, that I have with her. So, yeah, man, I think you're going to dig the podcast. Open your mind and let's dive in to, uh, to the conversation today. All right, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, and I am um, I'm really excited uh, today because I have someone that I've been following online and really enjoying uh, a lot of the things that uh, that she has to say. And so, I'd like to welcome to the uh, podcast today, Doctor Reverend Doctor uh, Katie Valentine. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being with me. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I've been really excited about it. Yeah, we're going to have a good time today. So now, for the duration of uh, the conversation, um, how would you prefer uh, to be addressed? 
It is just fine to call me Katie. Uh, I am Reverend Doctor. I'm an ordained minister, and I also have a PhD in biblical studies. But we're all friends here, so I would be very pleased if you would call me Katie. <laughs> okay, that sounds great. I would be happy to do that. So, great. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about uh, you before we get before we dive into. And I have a, I have a lot of things I'd like to converse with you about. So, um, sure. But but let's talk a little bit about you. So now you you are ordained, and and who are you ordained with? Yeah, so I am ordained with the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, and the big caveat, you know, I don't represent or speak for the denomination, but that, that is the denomination where I find home. And we are a mainline, really nice group of, of Protestants, uh, mostly in the United States and Canada, and a little bit around the world as well. Okay, okay. And, uh, and you're a doctor as well, yes? Yes, I am. I completed my PhD, how, what? Let's see, five or six years ago, and it is in New Testament studies. Um, I study the whole Bible as well, and so I do research and publish in journals and go to conferences and all of that kind of stuff. So I have a couple of different hats that I wear, but I put them all together in ways that are you know really uh, fulfilling for me and I hope for the world in my service to God. Yeah, so, you know, this is one of the things that... Um I have found really particularly interesting because, and and it's a it's definitely a passion for me, obviously because this is where I'm at spiritually. But you really marry the the Christian faith with um, metaphysical ideas and practices, so that's it. That's a little different. Can we talk about maybe were you always interested in metaphysics? Did it come later? How did how did you get that to this place? I guess where you're at now. Right, it's such a good question. Looking back, I can see that God was present in this from early years. You know, probably the from my teenage years and then early adulthood years. And I can see, you know, I would be in a setting and we would explore um, dreams, for instance. You know, a kind of very gentle introduction into the world of metaphysics, or we would explore a particular spiritual practice that is maybe a little bit outside the Christian box. And I was intrigued, and I can see now that God was preparing me all of the way. And when I got into my PhD program, actually, it was my first year of my PhD program. I was a little lonely. PhD programs are intensely solitary, and I am not a solitary person. I'm uh, very extroverted, actually. So this was challenging, and I went to a dream interpretation class, and I was just hooked. And I saw really quickly that people were not having just dreams. They were having dreams that were really coinciding with each other sometimes. People were having similar dreams. All these themes were coming up. People were tapping into the unconscious, into the divine, into God. People were having dreams about their future. Um, This is highly biblical, but a lot of things that were happening were outside of the typical Christian box, and it just took off from there. And so from there, I began studying all sorts of different um, what we call metaphysical realities and practices and traditions, and never felt that those were at odds with my Christian faith. I felt like they enhanced my Christian faith. So and here we are. So now this is what I do for my service is I help other Christians find this path and put a name to things that they've never been able to name before, but they felt deep down inside were true. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's that is interesting because um I I have personally found it I think difficult to marry the the Christian faith with what I can only describe really 
as this kind of this, basically what you said, uh, this innate knowing that metaphysics are, you know, there, there's a, I don't know, they're, they're real and, and really in a, I guess, a, an interdimensional, undeniable way. So in other words, so many of the things that our practices often described as metaphysical um, have always been kind of just truths to me in their own way. And I couldn't put words to them. I couldn't, I couldn't give them definitions. And certainly they didn't fit within what we would call orthodox theology, especially right. on, on the, in, in the Western world. So I have struggled a little bit with that. And, and some of those kinds of things have been, you know, years ago, I live in the Midwest now, but years ago, I, uh, I spent some time in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, a friend and I decided one day to drive up to Sedona. I had no idea what Sedona was or what they did there. <laughs> but uh, all the, the, you know, the crystals and some of the ideas, they, they just resonated so deeply within me. But um, as I soon found out, they were often condemned within Christianity. So what are some of the, now I don't feel that way at all uh, after attending some classes as well, but, but what are some right. of the metaphysical practices that, that you're really attracted to or that resonate deeply with you? Yeah, so I'll say the first one is one that is standard for all Christians, which is prayer. To me, prayer is the most metaphysical thing that we can do. And when we stop and think about it, when we pray, we have the confidence and the belief and the hope and sometimes the despair that God hears us. We can't see this with our physical eyes. We can't hear it with our physical ears for the most part. Maybe on occasion we do. Mostly when we pray, we believe that we are communicating with the divine. That's the most metaphysical act and the basic bread and butter of Christian faith practices and Christian spiritual practices. So that's the first one that I pray. Mm -hmm. um, I don't always do it, and, you know, I don't always do it in orthodox ways, but I pray and make time for that in, in my life. And when I don't, I definitely feel the difference. So first of all, let's just, um, I, I like to promote the idea that Christianity is metaphysical. And once we start to recognize that, we can see the metaphysical qualities of the Christian faith throughout. Now, things that don't necessarily fit inside the Christian box, like prayer certainly does, uh, things that don't necessarily fit inside the Christian box would be things like chakras. I check in with my chakras all the time. I, When something is going on in life that seems a little off kilter, I check in with my chakras. They're beautiful barometers for what's going on. Is something going on spiritually? Is it going on physically? Is it going on emotionally? And that helps give me an indicator of what I need to do next. So chakra alignment I do use crystals as well. I, you know, they're around my house, and they're beautiful parts of God cre God's creation. God created crystals. You know, I don't have any problem with using those to help amplify our energy, or check in, or retune, or retool. Um, I do angelic meditation. Don't worship angels. Christians are not to worship angels, but using angelic energy as again as kind of barometers for where we are and experiencing that angels are created beings just like we are. They have different personalities. Uh, we can ask for their assistance. They're very happy to offer us their assistance. And I work with dreams 
those are some of the basic things that I do kind of on a daily basis. And then we get a little more sophisticated, a little more advanced as we start to dive into this world a little more. Wow. Okay. So we'll probably have to do more than one podcast. I can already <laughs> I see that. <laughs> <laughs> so there's so many things I would, you know, and I, and I don't want to get off track here because I want to I want to go back to angels for, for just a moment, but, but, but let me sidetrack this or, or set the tone a little bit with something that you said in one of your videos, um, Chris, about Christian and metaphysics, you said, um, the metaphysical community is allergic to Jesus and the church is allergic to metaphysics. So how do you get to be a Christian and a metaphysical practitioner with integrity? And I, I liked when you used the word integrity because I think that for a lot of Christians who want to dive into the esoteric, the uh, metaphysical world, we're often afraid that we're going to compromise our faith. So first let's deal with that. And I know you answered it a little bit, but, but what do you mean by approaching metaphysics with integrity? Sure. I tell all of my clients and people who I work with that if I'm introducing an idea to them that they do not believe will bring them closer to Christ, then maybe that practice is not for them. So that's, that's the number one thing. Everything that we do should bring us closer in our relationship to Christ. Christianity is a relational religion where we have a personal relationship with our Savior. And so if, I, if they're doing something and they don't believe that it will bring them closer to Christ, then they can wait on that. They don't, they don't need to do it right then. So that personal integrity part is really important. But if the thing that's stopping them from exploring a practice is rooted in fear, then that's something that we can work with together. And so dealing with the fear first and any self-limiting beliefs that have arisen because they are rooted in fear or they are rooted in the unknown. And that's something that we can actually work on together. We can actually use metaphysical tools to discover what are the roots of that fear? Is it indoctrination that's maybe not serving the person anymore? Is it, um, a family belief system that's no longer serving them? Is it something that, you know, maybe a pastor said to them offhand when they were really little, but it stuck with them. And really exploring Christian history and the Bible and their own experience and the experience of others to see maybe there's some room for freedom. Once we do that, then we can really start to explore with integrity. So for me, integrity relies on your own personal integrity. Um, I, I never want to violate that for anyone, but also really looking at what am I scared of? What am I afraid of? And when we start to look at that, maybe we find that the, there's room for the fear to shift and for joy and a spirit of exploration to come into us. So those are the ways that I do that with integrity. At every step, I ask people to look at Christian history. I ask people to look at scripture and to determine where their truth is in those things. When people start to do that, they often see that what they're really scared of is something that's not actually there. Mm. Yeah, it, it is, you know, I, I think so much of the Christian experience for so many has been really completely fear-based. And so much of it is about the angry God syndrome. And for me, I know as I looked back through Christian history, so many of the, I think, less 
certainly not at the time of their existence, but but through the years, their their teachings have got diluted, like um, Clement or Origen or some of these kinds of guys that were really very incredibly metaphysical in their yes. in their disposition, and a lot of their teachings and their ideas have some for whatever reason been buried in our Western uh, culture. So it, it is a tough it is a tough path to travel because you do feel. I mean, I, I'm sure that you notice that quite a few of your clients and, and uh, people that you have associations with, they do have a bit of a fear-based approach to their to their faith, do they not, in Christianity? Certainly. And the smaller we make God and the smaller we put God in a box, the more room there is for fear. Yeah. And so I, I am certainly, yeah, I've certainly have experienced this to some degree um, in my youth. I see people who've experienced this, but I also sense and witness in them a deep longing to make that box a lot bigger and to eventually get rid of that box. Because God cannot be contained in a box. Churches, in my, you know, my, I've had great experience with a lot of churches as well as a pastor, as, you know, as someone who's really invested in the potential that a church can be. When churches do their job the best, they help people fulfill their potential and not help box them in even more. But that's what I'm really interested in, is helping people thrive beyond, you know, beyond these kind of self-limiting um, beliefs and, and church self-limiting beliefs that have been imposed. So, yeah, for all those who out there who are struggling with this fear and, and this idea that God has to be a certain way, that maybe, yeah, maybe it's time to explore beyond that a little bit and see the joy and the freedom that's there. So it's fixable. <laughs> definitely, definitely, absolutely. Yeah, it requires that inward journey. And um, as Christians, we know we're not supposed to do that alone. The the ecclesia in the New Testament is the gathering, it's the assembly. We are meant to do this in community. We are meant to do it with each other. I meet so many people who have been struggling with this for years, decades even, on their own. And that's not how it should be. We should be doing this with like-minded people. Yeah, th- those communities I think are, are hard to find, but uh, you know certainly with the things that are available online, um, you know more and more it's it's I think you're beginning to see a almost a metaphysical esoteric type of uh, Christian community developing, even with people who aren't uh, physically you know connected. Uh, or, or, or can be present with one another, they still have the ability to share and, and uh, discuss and talk about their fears, you know, with a vast number of people um, across this, the world, really. So Definitely. And for people who are interested in finding a church community, I, I also assist them in finding the right church community for them. A lot of times people just don't know what to ask. Mm-hmm. I could or see how that. to find that. And so it's my joy to help people find that because I cannot pastor everyone out there. <laughs> so people need local people. You need someone in your community who can bring you a casserole at some point in time. <laughs> and I can't do that for everyone. So, um, yeah, that, that's, uh, that, you know, overcoming fear is probably a topic that, that uh, we could talk about all day. But let, let's go back to, because I'm, I'm really interested in... Um, the idea of angels and I'm interested in the idea of chakras and, and all kinds of things. So, but, but let's talk about the angel thing just for a second, because, um, you know, if you look through, I, I had a friend of mine, um, that is, uh, definitely involved in metaphysics and she, 
has a great relationship with angels and uh and you know she doesn't worship them like you talked about but definitely has what she believes to be a real communion with them and a lot of interaction with them and at first at one time i thought that was a little strange but then as i look through the bible you see angels all over they're very active they they do a great deal of work here on the earth they have a great deal of interaction with humans so I begin to open up to that just a bit. So let's talk about your experience and how someone might begin the practice of working with uh, angels. Sure. Um, my experience is I, I grew up as a Protestant kid going to Catholic school. And so at Catholic school, there was a little more exposure to angels than maybe in my Protestant church. And so I grew up very comfortable with angels, and we would say prayers to our guardian angel for protection. And so that was always actually part of my experience and part of my childhood. And I think I had dreams about angels when I was a kid, actually. And so I, a few a while back, began taking an intuitive class. So I worked with my own mentor. And she does angel intuitive work. And as you said, they are all over the Bible. And really, I just began to experience that angels have their own personalities. We see this expressed on television a lot. You know, interestingly, there's angels that come and go on all these kind of supernatural TV shows. They get a lot wrong, but I think they kind of get some of it right, where angels have their own personalities. And so how to begin working with them, um, I would say... To maybe do some angel meditations, I provide a few where people can meet their guardian angel and get to know that personality and what that feels like. And once we get to know that, then we can begin to sense when angelic presence is around us and tune into that. And it's really just helping us tune into our intuition, into our God compass that God provides for us. And so when we experience those feelings, we're like, oh, gosh, angels are around and they are communicating that something important is happening. So I need to pay attention. So ultimately, it really helps serve us in our developing our intuition. And more often than not, that happens when something significant is happening and I need to be in service to others. And so this is really full circle to me with kind of Christian mission. So it's not only about getting to know angels for the sake of getting to know angels, although there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's really fun. But this is ultimately, we are all serving together with angels, the same God. So why wouldn't we get to know these and these beings who are created by God so that we can all work together in service to God? Yeah. So the, the immediate blowback that I've had uh, from some is, well, wh- why would I need to deal with angels when I can just deal with God directly? And I, and I, and I understand that uh, because I think that's the way m- many of us were kind of raised. But the reality is um, these, the angels and us, as, as well as our friends, it's all one big community. Is that right or am I off there? That's the way, that is the way I understand it, that we are all joining in the same chorus. Okay. We're all joining in the same chorus. I don't have to know the how or the why. That's actually not up to me. That's a God thing. Mm Mm-hmm. What we know is that there's angels who are out there. We, We see so many people who've had beautiful experiences with angels, and angels are also worshiping God. We join in that heavenly chorus together. And I don't really need to know the how or the why. I just know, um, I know the options. And there's, yeah, there's nothing wrong with going directly to God, going, you know, Jesus is our intercessor. 
sure, do that. But, you know, we have these angels just like we have friends around us. And we're all, yeah, we're all in the same big club together. Yeah, yeah. So now when you talk about, and you said you have meditations um, available to help people what uh, get in contact or, or sort of get to know the, the angel that's kind of associated with them? Yeah, get to experience the, you know, angel or angels or bees who are, you're all on the same team. You're all on the same kind of personal team. So, yeah, actually, I would be happy to provide that for your listeners um, as a gift. So to provide them and a meditation to help be their guardian angel. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be very cool. So um, do you want, and how would they access that? Let's just deal with that right now. Sure. So uh, the easiest way is to go to my website. So it's www.katyvalentine, and that's K-A-T-Y, um, K-A-T-Y, Valentine, and it's just like the holiday, V-A-L-E-N-T-I-N-E.com backslash gift. Perfect. That will be awesome. So you, you found this, you've obviously found this practice to be extremely helpful, Yes, I mean, I find it to be helpful, and then I get little signals and clues throughout the day when, you know, I feel like my angelic team is like, Katie, pay attention, <laughs> and then I know to pay attention, and because <laughs> I know what that feeling feels like. So we practice with the meditations to get to know these personalities, and then when it's significant during the day, we're tuned into what that feels like, and we can perk up and pay attention. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because um, in the book of Acts, Paul talks about that uh, he had a, he actually had a conversation with an angel. And, uh, of course, you see their interaction with Mary and Joseph and, uh, you know, the, the, the wise men. And, and so they're all over the place interacting with humanity and kind of making things happen. And so it, it's odd to me. And I think, again, it's just, uh, and, and, you know, I, I think it's, it would be remiss of me not to admit that I have a, a, a little bit of a, a chip on my shoulder towards the towards the church. Now, I was a part of it. I was a I was a pastor for a long time, but for me, there was um, the business side of it and so many of the petty things that came along with it uh, uh, created a bit of animosity. If I were if I were to be honest, uh, but but one of the things I found interesting is. Um, the idea of guardian angels, the idea of interacting and communicating with angels, it's its turned into this real new age thing, when in reality, it's all over the New Testament. So I wonder how we get to the place. And interestingly as well, um, the use of crystals is all over the Old Testament. So I don't know yes. how we get to this place where these things became no longer a part of the Judeo-Christian idea. Do you have any thoughts on that? I, I do have some thoughts. Um, so <laughs> with my clients, everything seems to go back to the Enlightenment. Um, so certainly from the Enlightenment onwards, where there's a real emphasis on logic and on rationale and on doing away with quote-unquote superstition, um, that's a major turning point for in Christian history where we put away a lot of the practices that have been very, very commonplace. For many Protestants, Protestants... Um, historically have wanted to distance themselves from seeing too, from seeming too Catholic and I'm putting all of this in air quotes uh, mm-hmm. because uh, I, I really value Catholicism although I'm not a Catholic and so anything like angels that was seen as too Catholic were put to the side mm. or anything that had practices with like beads 
like rosary beads or anything like that was put to the side because Protestants didn't want to be associated with what they called superstition. So looking at recent history, the past 500 years, I think that that is some of it. And throughout Christian history, we see this push and pull of people who say, let's, let's explore the divine using these tools and other people who resisted that. So I think we've seen this push and pull throughout um, all of Christian history and even before that, some in Jewish history. So we see people who are naturally inclined to be very sensitive and to use tools that will help them manage their sensitivity and people who are resisting that. So I don't think this is anything new, actually. We're expressing it in new ways. And I think for the first time in probably in history of with angels, we see people who are not identified with Judeo-Christianity who are angel workers, who are angel intuitives. And they are not professing to be part of the Christian faith or the Jewish faith. Mm. So that to me is really interesting. So angels are non-denominational and other people are accessing angelic energy in really creative ways, but without sort of, for me, the benefit of the, the Christian background and Christian faith to help them along on that journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting because um, I, you know, obviously I, I uh, well, I was Assemblies of God, and so we have our 16 fundamental truths, and we have all this theology and doctrine, and it's all laid out, you know, very perfectly and, and in nice, neat, straight lines, but as uh, I begin to discover during what you know I'm calling a deconstruction phase, which I'm still in, probably always will be, I guess. But that's right. That's right. Um, history, Christian history, is filled with I don't knows, and, and and at one time it was perfectly fine to not have all the answers, and then you had the Catholic. Uh, ideas, and then of course you had Martin Luther who came along, and he had his ideas. And, and I'm not saying that those were negatives, but they certainly had negatives to them. Uh, things like taking sola scriptura, and I've got no problem with the Bible, but taking that too far to where if it's not in the Bible, then I'm not even going to deal with it. And then it even went further than that, you know, such as the the um, the choosing of Matthias, where they use lots or runes or whatever it was we, we want to say that they were using, it was definitely divination on some level. And um, I'm using a bit of, uh, I guess, uh, assuming that this wasn't the first time they had done that practice. Oh, I would think definitely not. I mean, it, it's it's not presented in the book of Acts as being a problem or being like a brand new thing at all. Ultimately, with anything like, you know, divination, and I'll, I'll kind of put that in air quotes too because it has a negative connotation for a lot of people, but any practices that help us tune into that intuition and to what I call our God compass, ultimately they should confirm what we're already feeling. So we're not using them to make wild, uninformed choices in life. We're using them to confirm our hunches and what we believe is true. And if there's a contrast there, God invites us to explore that contrast. Mm. So if the practices, if, you know, if I, if I have a practice with a pendulum and it tells me an answer, a 
uh, you know, I ask you a yes or no question, and it tells me an answer, and I'm disappointed with that answer, then immediately I have the opportunity to say, why am I disappointed? What expectation did I have there? What is it that I'm struggling with? So it actually, for me, gives me the opportunity to explore within, um, never ever, you know, employ any practices, spiritual, metaphysical, Christian, whatever you call them, to get easy answers. So if we're Christians, if we are Jesus followers, we are not in this for the easy road. Uh, Christ asked us to um, lay down our cross, and I take that really, really seriously. So easy answers are actually, you know, not what we're after. We're after asking better questions. I believe that metaphysical practices help us ask better questions. Mm. Yeah, you know what's funny because if you do if you do study on on which obviously I know that you have, but you do any any study at all on so many of the things that are now considered to be occult practices, and I'm looking at you tarot cards. Um, <laughs> they were once very much a standard part of the Christian conversation. Oh, absolutely. And so was astrology. Christians were practicing astrology until very recently in history with, you know, no conflicts. Yeah. yeah. No yeah. It's hard to make the turnaround, I think, especially for us, you know, but the uh, if you look at, you know, some tarot cards, which is one thing that's so taboo. And um, it, people think it's, you know, what's well, got to be the devil. But uh Actually, you know, was a, was a commonplace in, in the Christian faith. Astrology, which I'm not super into, but um, I, I have found, and, and it's undeniably found throughout Scripture and in early Christian history as part of the faith. Crystals, on and on and on. And so I think people really have to realize that maybe what I'm practicing today or what I'm being told to practice today isn't necessarily Christianity as a whole, um, it, it's something that's been kind of superimposed upon me. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. When we make that box really small, then we have to leave a lot of things outside the box to make God fit what our conceptions are. When we start to expand that box, or like I said, get rid of that box, you know, like you said, we begin to see, wait, there are crystals in the Bible, so how do those fit into my journey? Mm. There are angelic interactions and miracles in the Bible. How do those fit into my journey? Mm-hmm. And we start to see that, yeah, they can. These are, it, it's really recent that anyone, not that anyone, but it's really recent that um, the church would say all these practices are not okay. Yeah. You know, I, you mentioned earlier about the kind of the conflicts with Catholicism and the, and the Protestants, um, which is a shame. But I, I think um, if you look at someone even like St. Francis, who was so well, Richard Rohr um, has a, a new book called Universal Christ, which is phenomenal. But he talks about Richard or he talks about St. Francis's idea of sacred cosmology. Where, you know, God is, it's not pantheism, but it's like panantheism. So God is in everything. You can sense him in trees and and rocks and grass and uh, the whole thing. You know, like when Paul said, in him we move and live and breathe and have our being. So I think that we do have to learn to kind of open ourselves up to some of these ideas that are extremely beneficial. You know, we, we mentioned earlier um, divination and how it's kind of got a it's in our idea the definition is somewhat devilish and, and the Bible even mentions it a little bit as being wrong but isn't uh, our interaction with the Holy Spirit isn't that a, 
in in true form of the definition of the word, isn't that in a sense divination? Yeah, that's a really interesting way to think about it. Uh, I love I love that kind of perspective. And what I hear from a lot of people too who come from very evangelical backgrounds is um, in First Corinthians twelve thirteen, where it talks about the words of knowledge and the words of power, where mm-hmm. we have this sudden inner knowing or a sudden word for someone that seems to come from nothing, but we know comes from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I mean, that's in essence a um, tapping into these practices that we can call divination, we can call them intuition, we can call them metaphysical, we can call them Christian. Yeah, so I think that's all part and parcel of the same fabric, of the same interdimensional fabric, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. So whenever we talk about somebody trying to dive into some of this, and, and the, one of the things that I think has been hard for me, and I'm starting to kind of put a little bit of form to it, and I and I, that in itself is probably part of the problem, really. I, <laughs> <laughs> we, we all try to name things that are unnameable, because we're humans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we all, I mean, we're, we're Baptists, we're Methodists, we're, you know, we're this, we're that. We have all these labels, and those things become very limiting, probably. So, I guess maybe, and I'm answering my own question a little bit, but <laughs> I, I guess maybe we need to take out of the box, okay, tarot is a cult, or crystals are new age, and just begin to see whether or not those things, whatever they may be, resonate with our own personal experience with Christ. Is that fair or is that dangerous? No, I think that's very fair. And I would say, um, yeah, let's lose all the labels. And uh, I can tell you a quick story about this. I presented, I did a Bible study last year with about 100 people, and it was on sort of metaphysics and the Bible and helping people kind of work through some of those tricky scriptures. And I presented my findings at a conference, at an academic conference. And one of the questions that came from the uh, from the people who were attending was, well, it seems like the people that you're working with are very new age. And I had an immediate, very strong reaction to it. And I said, they're not new age. They are Christians. That's, the, that's kind of the whole point of this. I am working with Christians who profess Jesus as the Christ. And these practices are very essential and core to who they are. So they are not new age where Jesus is one among many ascended masters that doesn't quite cut it for me and for the people that I work with. We see Jesus as our savior and and these practices help our Christian journey. And so for me, the, these practices aren't even new age, they're Christian. If, I, if I'm going to give them a label, I'll give them the label of Christian, knowing that people who are not Christians also have access to them. Yeah, you know it's it's funny, be, and I've and I've often said this is you know Christianity as it was originally practiced is without a doubt probably the most spiritual faith on the planet. Um, we have we hold the idea that that the Holy Spirit <clears throat> literally lives in us. He speaks through us. He, you know, the Bible even goes so far as to say, you don't need anybody to teach you anything. The Holy Spirit will tell you what you need to know. And there's all this very uh, God in in Christ and and Paul, who is the ultimate mystic, esoteric guy, really. Yes. Yes. Uh, Yeah. You know, there's 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 a lot of language about the fact that we have a very personal, metaphysical, spiritual connection with the divine. And so I think it's something that people have to really start exploring and then begin to 
unloose the fetters and the chains that that they've attached to so many things. I, um, you know, I've I've had a few tarot readings. Um, I will admit the first one was a little unsettling. It's like, oh, this feels ugly. Um, but after a while, it's it's really not that scary. Yeah, exactly. Once it, it's really pushing past those fears and those blocks, and we have you know we have all the opportunity to do that. I tell my people, my tribe, all the time that Christ did not come to earth for us to feel shamed and guilted. Christ came to earth for us to have freedom. And mm. when we can start to unravel the chains that keep us from that freedom, we really do find ultimate freedom in Christ. And I love what you said. Yeah, as Christians, Christ dwells in us. Um, it's really not about the Bible. The Bible can help point us to Christ. Um, it's not even about the church. The, her- the church can help fi- us find community in Christ. But it's about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us. And, yeah, that's absolutely right. I, I can't imagine anything more metaphysical than that. Yeah. You know, and it's funny, too, because, and, and I think, you know, one of the things that that it, you know, with what I'm getting ready to say, I'll get blowback, and I'm sure that you, you that you do as well. You know, I love the Bible. I think it's an incredible book, and and I live my life according to it, and I search it for answers and all those kinds of things, and I and I legitimately do that. But if our only experience, and this is true for so many, if our only experience with God is literature or theology um, or even intellect then you're actually denying what the Bible is is really about. I mean, the, the majority of the New Testament is a, um, it, it's, it's an overflow of, um, of gnosis or of spiritual connection. When Paul's writing what he's writing, these things haven't been written before. He believes, and we do too, that this is all by divine inspiration. So your practices can't be limited, and I'm not saying that they should transgress, but they can't just be limited to whether or not they did it in the Bible. Is that is that fair? I think that's very fair. I mean, with the Bible, we are we are separated by time, culture, and space of two to three thousand years, uh, depending on what part what part of the Bible we are reading. And the Bible doesn't always agree with itself. So if we can kind of get past the idea that we have to be able to find exactly, you know, what we're going to do on a Sunday morning in the Bible, then we have a lot of freedom. We look to the Bible for witness. We look to the Bible for testimony, and we're looking for a holistic, or it is my opinion, for a holistic um, message and interpretations of the Bible. But one of the gifts we have as Christians is the ability to wrestle with the Bible, to wrestle with God, just like Jacob did in the Old Testament. Um, we, we're not after these easy answers. We are looking for um, the collective witnesses that are offered in the Bible and then using our experience, our rationale, our intuition to put all of that together. But one of the resources I like to point people to is Marcus Forbes, reading the Bible again for the first time. Mm. And he uses the analogy that the Bible is like a finger and the moon is like God. And the Bible is the finger pointing to the moon, but the finger is not the moon. So the Bible is not God. Mm -hmm. The Bible is something that points towards God. Many other things point towards God, too. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, um, 
I had a, um, a a lady on the podcast by the name of AJ Levine. Um, she's wonderful, but but she talked yes, about congratulations on getting her on your podcast. Oh, she's wonderful. great. <laughs> yes, she was. She is really a neat person. Um, but one of the things that she talked about was a problem quite present um, within Christianity is the idolization or the um, making the Bible actually deity, and we do that. And that's what, you know that's a real problem because it becomes a god in and of itself, and that was never the intention. Um, I don't believe whenever you know Paul or, or anybody wrote you know the the text. Yeah, certainly not. And the the people who are writing the Bible didn't know it was going to become the Bible. Right. Exactly. I mean, they had no idea. We're, we're essentially, when we are reading Paul, we're reading other people's mail. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's what I've told people before. You realize that these are letters. That's get, that this guy's writing, you know, it, 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 he didn't intend for us to, to to beat people up with it and and you know, all the things that we do, which are just sad, really. Yeah, yeah, no, the, yeah, the Bible, the Bible shouldn't be used as a weapon. We should have the opportunity to wrestle with it, to ask deep questions of it, and to ask how it is present in our lives, and to answer that without simple answers. So, if someone's giving you a real easy, quick answer to that, I would question them. Yeah, sadly, so many people, and I have I have some friends, that's, you know, that, that do it. Um, you know, they you're trying to have a conversation, and they're just whipping out Bible verses with no context, with no, you know, one of the things I learned is like the meta narrative. So, so you can take a verse, and it sounds like it means one thing at the base, but when you put it into the entire story, it really begins to develop a different meaning to it, and. Uh, the, the book that you mentioned earlier, uh, Martin Berg, I think? Uh, Marcus Borg, yes. Marcus Borg, okay. So I haven't read that, but it sounds immediately interesting to me because I think that so many of us read the Bible completely incorrectly. Yes, I, that, the book is really, really helpful. I've used it with college students. I've used it with adult learners. I've used it in a variety of places. And um, Dr. Borg just died a few years ago, Um very happy he wrote this book and contributed to Christianity in the way that he did before his death. And one of the things he helped people do was overcome these fears and uh, these boxes, especially about the Bible with his scholarship. And the book is very accessible, and I yeah, highly recommend it um, as part of as part of your journey if you are someone who is wrestling with how to interpret the Bible and the many, the multivalent meanings of the Bible. Yes, yeah, sadly, um, I found that so much of what is taught in the current conversation that's Christianity, and I don't mean to down it all because I, I am absolutely a Christian, but so much of it simply isn't helpful. It, it doesn't uh, promote healing. It doesn't promote spirituality. It's not life-affirming, so much of the conversation. And I think that this is why you have so many people looking outside of the current conversation for things that will kind of bring healing and, and, and help to them. You know, I, I, um, recently, and, and, uh, the guy is new age, uh, for everybody that, that wants to write hate mail and say, do you realize I, re- I do realize. <laughs> so, Let's leave the hate mail at home. I've heard yeah. It, I've heard it. We don't need it. We, we got it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I started listening to, uh, a little bit to Eckhart Tolle, who, amazingly quotes the Bible constantly. Right. Uh, but one of the things he said was, you know, so many of the things that Jesus said are so beautiful and so true, 
and who has understood them except for maybe a few Buddhists? <laughs> and I just had, <laughs> I just had to laugh because it's so true. It's so much of what Jesus said gets interpreted through um, our prejudices, um, our, our dislikes, and really a lot of ways we turn Jesus into um, a, a bit of a bully when that's not what he was at all. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's true. And that's, I think it was uh, Gandhi who said, I would be Christian because, I, you know, he loved the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, he was saying, I would be Christian, except I know too many of them. <laughs> and of course, what, what I know, and I think what many of your listeners what might resonate with as well, is that there are tons of us out there who are doing our best. We are not perfect. I am not perfect. I don't get everything right all the time. Um, I, I certainly I can't. Um, and I have a very um, tender and healthy relationship with the Bible these days. And I meet so many people who want to know how to communicate what they feel and believe deep down in their heart, but they don't have the words for it because the only words they have are ones that are coming from um, unhelpful doctrine that has boxed them in. So one of the things I love to help people do is to find the language, find the words, find the vibration, to use a metaphysical term, that will help them express the core of who they are and their relationship with Christ in a way that has integrity with the Bible. And that's definitely achievable. It just takes a little bit of processing, a little bit of working with someone to help get there. Yeah, I think that's really important. And um, I'd like to, before we get out of here, talk about how um, people can do that with you. Um, Let me throw out a couple of things. I know we don't have a lot of time left, but there's a couple of things I really want to get your perspective on. So I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go big game first, and then we'll work our way down from that. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. So one of the things that I've struggled with for years, and I'm coming to terms with now, um, and uh, and most of the people know at this point where I stand with it, but um, the idea of eternal conscious torment in hell. So. Could you, are you comfortable with talking a little bit about where you're at with some of that? Absolutely. Um, so I'll say, first of all, that I am, in as much as one can be, probably, a universalist Christian. And in this sense, I think Rob Bell probably got it right. Love wins. Mm-hmm. So I, I personally believe that love wins. Uh, I personally, personally lean towards the notion that um, when we have lessons left to learn. We get an opportunity to learn them after our mortal lives are over. Exactly how that happens, I can't say for sure. Maybe that happens when we are with God in heaven. Maybe that happens if we get to come back to earth, if we get to if we get to live another human life. Mm-hmm. Maybe it happens in an interdimensional way, in another dimension. Who knows? God has got that figured out. I don't have to have that figured out. I have my suspicions. With the idea of hell... If you look throughout the Old Testament, you will be very hard-pressed to find any mention of hell mm-hmm. until very, very late in the Old Testament. It, it simply isn't there. Old Testament Hebrew people did not have a concept of hell. Everyone went to the same place when they died. So they definitely had a concept of the afterlife and of the soul and what happened to their, uh, to their souls. But it was not one that included heaven or hell. We don't see that until the Jews begin to interact with um, other cultures in the exile, uh, just a few centuries before Christ. 
by the time the New Testament is written, there's a much more developed idea of heaven and hell that's really probably Zoroastrian more than Jewish that gets imported into Judaism at the time. And then the Christian sect is the one who kind of takes this and develops it um, a little bit more. I think there's been a lot of dynamic research lately on the idea of paradise and what early Christians were really kind of thinking about heaven and hell. It is not an idea that has ever resonated uh, very strongly with me. Maybe when I was a teenager, I had, and I was, uh, you know, attending more evangelical youth groups with friends. It was an idea that was put out there a lot. A God that is infinitely abundant and infinitely loving and sent his child to earth, it, it just doesn't make any kind of like logical sense to me that eternal torment is part of that plan for humanity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, looking at the biblical witness, we see a variety of options. And I am choosing to go with the option of love because I believe that that is what Jesus came here to show us. Yeah, uh, interestingly, I, I, I have a ton of uh, thoughts about this that I've, I've voiced uh, at nausea. But uh, one of the things that I wanted to piggyback on just a bit is, um, to, to those of you listening who, who may have uh, had a bit of a, 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 oh, I don't know what I think about that, um, reincarnation is not foreign to, to Christianity. I'm not saying I not believe in it. I'm just saying it's it's not foreign to the faith on any level. No, definitely not. And that's... One of the things I help people explore, <laughs> it can be really, really powerful. Yeah, you know, interestingly, um, uh, Origen believed in the pre-existence of souls, and, and he also believed in reincarnation. Now, years later, and he was he was a, a big deal for for those of you listening that don't know. He was a huge deal in in Christianity, and then somewhere along the line, uh, some Catholic priests decided they didn't like what he had to say. Uh, Probably because it wasn't pro- wasn't profitable. <laughs> it wasn't orthodox at the time. <laughs> uh, well, however you want to put it, and uh, and so they uh, they buried a lot of what he believed. But those ideas, of reincarnation, um, the possibility of well, I mean that is what reincarnation is: getting it right and doing it until you you know until you get it right, essentially. Uh, sure, and it's like any parent with a child. If your child does something wrong. You reprimand them and correct their behavior once. Mm. They may do it wrong again, and then you reprimand and correct their behavior again, but you don't keep on punishing them for that for years on end. Right, right. Right, and so, like, we, we all have lessons to learn, and then we learn them, and then some, you know, we all find ourselves in patterns of repetition where you're learning the same lesson lesson about patience or about communication or about loving kindness over and over and over. Yeah, and sometimes we may not finish all of those lessons here in this lifetime, and we need to do it again. And just like any parent with a child, God helps us find ways to do that in ways that will yeah help us grow. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, let's talk about uh, a few of uh, my own selfish interests here. I would love to. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm I'm totally enamored uh, with the idea of chakras. Although I will tell you that my understanding of them, how to use them, how to care for them, is completely uh, even less than infantile. So let's talk a little bit about um, what they are, and um, you know how to care for them and, and that kind of thing. If if you don't mind. Absolutely. So chakras. Really simply, chakras are energy points within our bodies, and they help connect our spiritual, our physical, our emotional, 
and our mental beings, like in any part of ourselves uh, that exists, a chakra will help connect that. We do find chakras, the, the term chakra originates in the Far East and is part of several Eastern religions, but it's not like just part of one Eastern religion. You find them throughout. Um, but I believe that these religions are tapping into the energy centers that we all have in our bodies. So for me, I tell people, call it a chakra, call it an energy center, just call it part of your body. I don't even care what you call it. That's really unimportant. Um, What is important is that these energy centers give us a lot of information about ourselves. And so taking care of chakras, like it's more tapping into the energy that is there in our bodies to see what is it that we need to know about ourselves. And if one is off kilter, Sure, we can do some energy work and help soothe that, but we really need to help figure out why is it off kilter, and that's what we correct. And when we correct that, that we will the chakra will be in good working order. So in the West, we talk about seven major chakras. So I'll just name the body parts: the top of your head, the middle of your forehead, your throat, your heart, the very middle of your body, like the very dead center of your body. Um, the area right below your belly button, and then your root chakra at the very base of your spine. So if you think about those chakras as energy centers that are spinning, and they are giving you vital information about what's going on in your whole life all of the time, you can actually learn to tune into those energies. And when we do feel a blockage, like if we're having a cough for no reason and we're not ill, oh, well, maybe something's going on with my throat chakra. Am I feeling silenced? Is there something I need to communicate? Have I been oversharing? And then we can kind of tune into that and get some information about it and course correct. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now, do you have information um, concerning the chakras, meditations, or anything like that on your site as well? I do, yeah. So if you go to my site and go to my blog, you can actually search the blog by chakras and you'll find a ton of videos and some meditations that I've uh, that I've given, and if people do want to work with me individually, we can. De- that's definitely an area that we can work on. So I'd be delighted to um, share more, you know, as people are interested. Okay, yeah, because uh, I think the chakras are completely. I, I think they're they're com- very very interesting, and I think they're. I think it's real and uh, sadly so terribly overlooked. Now, h- how about? Um, I, it's kind of a dirty word, I guess, but transcendental meditation. <laughs> what's, 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 what, what feels like a dirty word about that? Well, the word transcendental. I don't have a problem okay. with it, but I know other. I know others do. Yeah, well, let's just talk about meditation. Okay. Transcendental meditation, meditation. Yeah, meditation is, um, I'm going to use a really um, a definition that I hear a lot, but maybe really illustrative for, your, for the listeners here, which is, Prayer is talking to God. Meditation is listening to God. Okay. Meditation is the act of being very still in body and using everything we can to still our minds, to tap into the deep unconscious of God and to hear what is there. And that's it. This is, meditation is um, the number one tool that I give, that I advise to my clients to help them tap into their own inner wisdom, which is God's inner wisdom, and to see what is there. When I enter into periods of meditation, I suddenly have all of these um, 
ideas and connections and all this flow happens that I had no idea was there. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's just me being quiet enough to finally listen. And for those of you who say, my mind is way too busy and I can't meditate, I hear you. My mind runs about 90 miles a minute, and you absolutely can. <laughs> you can absolutely learn to meditate, and it will absolutely transform your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is something I think that's a little bit foreign to us. I, and I think for a lot of us, um, we, um, you know, when we think of prayer, we, we basically think what we're doing is asking God for something. And, and, and for a lot of us that, that is true. That is what prayer has become to us, but really it's supposed to be a conversation. And so many of the ways, what you're talking about really is just being still enough to hear what it is that God has to say, right? Yes. And without expectation. So many times I feel like, uh, like I, I'll use me as an example, I go to God in prayer, like you said, with a laundry list of requests. Like I think God is a slot machine. And I'll put in my 25 cents and expect a, a magical, a magical eight ball answer. Uh, instead, when I go to God in meditation without expectation of what God will give me, I find much more there that is available to me than I ever imagined. And so meditation is what helps us, uh, what helps us get to that place of inner peace, even when the world is chaotic around us. Yeah. So let's talk about a couple of other things before I let you go. <laughs> um, you um, talk about full moon blessings. You talk about celebrating. Um, we did St. Bridget's Day uh, just not too long ago, a month ago yeah, or so. Yeah, February 1st. Yeah. So... Um, how do you incorporate some of those? Let's talk about the full moon, for, for instance. Now, sure. um, my uh, wife and I absolutely love the full moon. Um, we spend a great deal of time celebrating that. And so t- tell me what, tell me your practice um, in regards to that. Sure. And this is fairly recent for me is kind of tuning into the moon energy. And on a big level, We are earth creatures. Human beings are earth creatures. We are made from the dust of the earth, from the atomah of the earth. We are part of the natural cycle of the the earth and of the cosmos and of the galaxies. And just yesterday, we saw, yesterday, the day before, we saw a picture of the first, the first picture of a black hole. And we're part of that gigantic cosmos, uh, even though there's galaxies away. So the moon, you know, is directly responsible for so much of the rhythm of life on Earth, from tides to uh, our body cycles to much more. So for my full moon practice is really, really simple. It's to look at the intentions that I made during the new moon, to release them, and to receive God's grace and God's uh, blessings and abundance in my own life. And, and that is it. I mean, there's a variety of ways we can do that. I just like to go stand under it. If the weather is good and if the weather's really good, I can take my shoes off, be grateful for the luminary in the sky that every single human being has um, felt the influence of in their lives, and to receive that as a symbol of God's blessing and to release all my expectations of what I should or shouldn't be doing or achieving, and it's an opportunity to just be and be in the presence of God with that full moon. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's a glorious thing. It's certainly inspirational. Do you feel that there is um, a, I don't know how you, I guess an energy is the right word. Do, do you feel that it affects the energy and the opportunities that exist here uh, to us humans and, and uh, earth dwellers? <laughs> oh, yes. I, yes, I absolutely do. And 
I think that's even demonstrable with with sort of studies like a lot more um, passionate crimes happen during the full moon because people are t- tuned into that energy in really unhealthy ways mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? and so we like that's that's just like an actual fact <laughs> like a fact like more crimes are committed during the full moon um, even though that makes no sense because there's more light why wouldn't they be committed during the new moon so that's an energetic thing that's an energetic thing. And yeah, so I think that full moon energy is really, really different from the new moon energy. Some months I'm too busy to pay as much attention to that as I would like, you know, and then other months I'm able to sort of revel in that. Yeah, that full moon energy helps us be alive and vibrant and helps us with our outpouring of our Christian mission. And then the new moon helps us turn inward and reflect and see um, what have we done well? What, have, what can we do better for the upcoming month? Yeah, I, um, you know, one of the things that's been interesting to me is so many, and I, and again, you know, some people are not probably going to appreciate it, but so many of the healthy practices within paganism, um, that were, and I'm referring largely to the observation of seasons and what this, what the different definitions of those seasons present to us. Uh, and, and I, so I do think that there's some healthy things and, and I think they're found more often within the pagan community. That doesn't necessarily make them pagan in and of themselves. Um, but by and large, I think uh, a lot of Christianity, and not all of it, but a lot of it is very intellectual and not so spiritual. So I'm, I'm going to ask you to explain something that you posted that I thought was great on, on Instagram the other day. And uh, I'd like you to amplify it just a bit. Sure. Okay. So here's what you said. Um, You said that we are, you were talking about stardust, and you said we are made from the stuff of eternity. So let's amplify that just a bit. Stardust, you were talking about stardust and how we are made from the stuff of eternity. Sure. And so if you are someone like me and you don't have a problem with science and religion um, coexisting and complementing each other, then we know, we believe, we don't know for sure, but scientists believe that um, everything that is created started as a dense, you know, super dense, small mass that exploded outwards. And the evolution, if I could use that word, of humans on Earth means we are literally made from the same elements that a star is made from. And within the Christian tradition, we say, you know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, we recognize that our bodies are not eternal, but that our souls are. And our bodies go back to the earth. And the earth that they go back to is the same earth that is made from the same things that stars are made from. So in that sense, we are all interconnected. Um, The people who I have the most problems with in life, I am intimately connected to. The people who I disagree with the most are made from the same stardust that I am made from. And thank God, God is bigger than my, you know, my petty problems that I may have with them. And in that sense, we are all so interconnected so beautifully. And I think on a spiritual level, our souls are connected even beyond that. My soul is connected to God and to, to whatever lies beyond the physical reality that we exist in, in ways that I can't even conceive of. I think this happens on a physical level, it happens on a soul level, it happens on a spiritual level. We are all made from stardust. And that helps me be in a loving, kind relationship with people with whom I have the most contrast. 
Mm. I remember God loves them as much as God loves me. Well, I think that I think we're all connected. I think that the the um, the the philosophy of that the the thinking that that creates. Um, I think it promotes harmony. I think it promotes inclusion. Uh, you know, one of the things St. Francis talked about was even our connection to the earth and the world around us. You know, he talked about um, uh, Brother Sun and Sister Moon and, mm-hmm. you know, the trees and the grass. They they were all inclusive. They were all a part of his family as far as he was concerned. And I think that that shift creates an inner peace and an inner harmony as opposed to the idea that, you know, Oh, the earth is throw away. It's all going to burn someday anyway. So it doesn't matter. No, the reality is we are connected to everything and everything in some way that, that I can't explain and, and don't feel the need to. Um, everything is also somehow connected to me either physically or on a soul level. Yes, and I, yeah, I think St. Francis got it really, really right. Uh, and I, that's funny, I have a, a statue of St. Francis in my front yard, uh, guarding over my uh, <laughs> over my little patch of earth that I am charged to take care of. Yeah, we're all interconnected. And when I say that we all are interconnected, and that helps me um, be in a more loving relationship with people with whom I have the most problems, I don't mean to say that we shouldn't have hard conversations. Like, we definitely should. But I do that as child of God to child of God. Mm. Because mm. because I recognize that we are all interconnected. Yeah. So when people, you know, I get a lot of people who really don't like a lot of the things I have to say, and as much as I can, I try to send them off with with blessings and with loving kindness for them and their journey and what they're seeking and what God has in store for them. Yeah, I tell you, I um, I, I find the the things that you have to say and, and the ideas that you present to, to be extremely interesting. It's a, it's really a beautiful bridge between um, Christianity as it is now and and really where I think that it probably should be and and even where it's headed. It's funny because I think that there there is a there's a lot of ground to be explored. There's a lot of um, ethereal to be explored and we don't have to do that i don't believe and i and i am still working on this but we don't have to do that with with all this fear attached yes yeah that's the number one thing it's fear that stops us from doing most of the things that would be really good for us well you know and i'll and i'll admit it first of all you know i i don't want to go to hell (laughs) so And that's, and that's a reasonable fear. And so that's something that, um, you know, for people who have that concern, that's definitely something we can work through and, and you know, feel the loving embrace of Christ as our guiding star so that that's our guiding star and not the fear. And then we can start to deal with the fear. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> there is, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> there is a, I think there, sadly, our theological, our theology has been a bit twisted. You know, we, we mentioned AJ Levine earlier and uh, the hell question always comes up for me because it's a, it's such a, uh, I guess a, a thorn in my side. But anyway, AJ said exactly what you said. Um, The, the, the Jews really early on and through most of their history didn't believe in hell. There was no such thing as hell. And uh, of course, AJ with her personality said, which is such a shame because there's a lot of people I'd like to send there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. This is one of those instances where I'm glad God is much more merciful and infinitely loving than I am. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So 
let's talk about here as we kind of close out. Um, and, and I'm going to include all this in the, uh, uh, afterwards, but, and I'll put it in the liner notes as well, but what are the best ways for people to, uh, through you explore the metaphysics, um, that we've been talking about? Sure. So let's start with the free gifts. So again, that's at katievalentine.com backslash a gift. That'll just for you, all listeners of the podcast. It won't be for anyone else. And so that's a great place to start. Um, What I offer people are a variety of programs and courses that they can enter into. So for people that are feeling like they're really ready to make that step, just go go to my website. You can book an appointment with me, and I would love to have uh, myself or someone from my team talk with you. Probably me. I like to talk to uh, talk to people and see where they are. And if we're a great fit to work together, then we'll take the next steps to work together. And that really depends on what people want to um, experience in their spiritual lives. I also have a free Facebook group called the Metaphysical Christian. People can join that. I would love to have you in the Facebook group or follow me on Instagram at Rev Dr. Katie, R-E-V-D-R-K-A-T-Y. Uh, so those are all the ways to connect with me. And, you know, I think the main thing is that people are wanting to experience freedom, to learn how to use these practices in their lives, and most importantly, be of service, not only to themselves, but to the world, then, you know, maybe I'm your person to work with um, to help you get there. Uh, very good. So um, I want to thank you <clears throat> a lot for being on. I, I, I absolutely love what you're doing. Just thank you so much for you know, taking time out of your day and chatting with me about uh, some of these things that are very interesting and then some of them that are just perhaps interesting to me. But uh, I really appreciate you being on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you do. And um, I see this is very compatible and that we are, you know, we're both serving. And so I'm delighted we could do it together for this hour. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it has been, uh, it's, it's quite a journey. And so, and I know there's a lot of people that want to pursue it. And so I think uh, I think it's going to be a growing congregation of sorts, you know. Awesome! Yes, yeah. I can't wait. Uh, God, God has many more plans in store than we can know of, so I can't wait to see how they unfold. Absolutely. Okay. So everybody, thank you so much for listening today. Hang around on the other side of the music. I'm going to talk more um, or reiterate how to get in touch uh, with Katie and uh, some of the things that are going on with the podcast. So I'll see you on the other side of the music. All right, guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. What a cool conversation. Um, Sincerely appreciate uh, Dr. Katie Valentine coming on the podcast. I thought it was super informative, man. I'm really into this subject, and so I'm going to do more podcasts specifically on this, um, the metaphysical Christianity thing, which I think is really important. Now, I mentioned earlier that we would discuss all the ways uh, that you can connect with Katie. Now, uh, katievalentine.com is a great way. Uh, She's also on Facebook. Uh, I know she's on Instagram. And she has a closed group that I think you have to ask to be a part of, which is called Metaphysical Christianity, and that's on Facebook. So those are some great ways I know that you can connect with her and uh, discover exactly what she's doing. But uh, hopefully, it was a great it was a great conversation for you. I, I know that I really enjoyed it. Now uh, I've got several 
um, other guests lined up. Um, and we're going to be talking about similar, similar subjects like this. So yeah, man, I, I appreciate you guys hanging out with me on the podcast. It feels a bit, um, well, it just, uh, I'm enjoying it immensely. You know, it's not been the easiest road and uh, and the reason why I'm expounding just a bit is because you've you've listened to the bulk of the conversation. If you want to shut me off here, you're certainly welcome to do that. But it's not been the easiest road. I certainly haven't handled every aspect of it um, the way that I would if I could go back. And I'm sure we all we all would say that. But as I continue to expand and as I continue to um, deconstruct and reconstruct at the same time uh there seems to be some healing or something there you know there seems to be a new and 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 really incredibly resonating connection with the divine with god and uh that's good stuff thank you for being a part of that guys i really appreciate it so again connect with the podcast online i'm the one that checks all that stuff uh all the likes all the comments all that kind of stuff so uh, when you connect with the podcast you're essentially connecting with me and uh absolutely would love to hear from you so there you go if you dug it you thought the podcast was cool share it all right see you next time guys done